When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Noons is an absolute podcast. If you're watching on the live stream, you'll notice there's only two of us. I'm Steve Haller. With me, as always, Christian DeGuzman, missing as per usual, Andy Pregler. <laughs> What's going on, man? Is that our new title of the podcast? I think it is. I think it has to be. Hey, Andy, wherever you are, again, call us. Your mother and father are worried about you. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> Mom. Mom and dad are worried. Hey. And for the first time in a while, we know it's not because he's a delusional Steelers fan. Right, right. We know he is a delusional Steelers fan. However, we also know that, that... this isn't the reason that he's missing. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> so he's not just missing in action, folks. He's uh, he's he's accounted for. He's just not here. He may be joining us later. Which, in a way, is a way that we can describe all Pittsburgh fans just being delusional fans about the teams in their city. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's go talk about what happened this past week before we do the whole year in review. First of all, Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome. We're going to talk about other delusional fans and cities? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously. First of all, Happy New Year, everyone. Um, Shout out to my first words of the New Year being he missed it, screaming Mm. at the top of my lungs after I saw that Ohio State kick take horribly to the left. Was that technically the new year? Because I was watching it and I was streaming and I couldn't quite tell. If you were, if you were watching it on live stream, like yep. I was, it happened as the ball dropped. That's okay. If you were watching so it linearly, yeah. it was about five or six seconds before. Yeah, it timed up creepily. And for anyone who is wondering yeah. what the hell we're talking about last night, uh, the mm-hmm. Georgia and Ohio State game came down to a game-winning 42-yard field goal. Yeah, well, I think it was more than that. I think was it was it? 50. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, a chance at uh, Ohio State winning on a 50-yard field goal that got shanked horribly to the left as the ball hit zero. Uh, to any of our uh, Ohio State fans that are listening to this, I know of at least one. Um, <laughs> apologies. <laughs> That's that's a hell of a fandom crossover. Yeah, yeah. So. Someone someone get house divided on Twitter to put that banner up. <laughs> uh, it's it's you know uh, in basketball a couple of times it's come into a a, a very weird situation with him, but uh, yeah, fun times. 
what what was the Aaron Croft year? Was that 2012? That would be the year that things were weird. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 2012 was also the last year that Syracuse won a pinstripe bowl. It's true, and we did not win one this year. <laughs> However, we put on a lot better show than I expected us to. But we should give our congratulations to Minnesota because they did prove that a Minnesota team can win a playoff game in Yankee Stadium. Oh, shots fired. Also, we'll turn the head around for that. <laughs> Thank you to the bad boy uh, Pinstripes Mowers team for the wonderful beanie as well. This was very much appreciated. <laughs> yeah, and was much too warm to wear on the show as we found out in the pre-roll. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, which is a good thing, especially in the open air press box of Yankee Stadium. Yep, yep. I, I saw I saw multiple media members wearing said beanie because it was just <laughs> that convenient to have at the at the press box. Yeah, maybe they knew something. So. Yeah, but but I don't think they were preparing for forty five degree weather during the last week of December. Uh, probably true. Probably true. It would have been really poetic if it was the day later when it was sixty degrees in the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I went out through a round of disc golf and like generally did stuff around the house because it was that warm. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing something. I don't think the warm temperatures would have helped with the field, though. No, for anyone who didn't see or doesn't understand what they do to Yankee Stadium, um, the, for the uninitiated, if you play baseball, the infield is not, and this is a shocker, it is not entirely grass. No, what makes you say? However, <laughs> uh, when you play a football game, you need the field to be entirely grass or grass adjacent. Um, they brought uh, in I grass mean, adjacent. I mean, I mean, it doesn't have to be. It's true. I.e. I. E. Oakland. Very true. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Yankee, for the Pinstripe Bowl, Yankee Stadium brings in turf and it does not, it's, it's a thing. It's a known thing and it sucks every time they do it. And mm-hmm. it sucked this year. Oh, yeah. So uh, you could see from anybody's and, footing uh, and yeah. anybody who tried to make a cut, it was not the same as working on a normal field. And remember, for baseball, you water the dirt as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no way you can water the turf to make that, you know. <laughs> right. So yeah, fun, fun, fun times all around for, for footing in the pinstripe bowl. Yeah, yeah the, fir- the first quarter was dealt with slipping issues. Yeah. To put it nicely. Yep. And uh, also some, well, the, I guess it would be more the most of the first half dealing with some Syracuse issues. Because yeah, yeah. the Orange mm-hmm. didn't really look all that great in the first couple of stanzas there. Well, let's talk about let's talk about what the Orange didn't have. I, we knew that the Orange were going to be limited depth-wise just based on the opt-outs and transfers. Yep. But what we didn't realize is that Syracuse would be limited so much on defense that they would have to switch formations. Right. And the so it did come out before the game that uh, Derek McDonald and Anwar Sparrow were both still injured. So uh, right off the bat, you're starting Caden Bailey, true freshman pedigree. Well, that but looked pretty fine. I, I thought he looked great. I was yeah. very, very impressed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, Leon Lowry at the other side. No, it was Marlo. No, Marlo was playing in the middle, wasn't he? No, it was four two five. Uh Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Uh, so Syracuse started Elijah's Fuentes Cundiff. 
see, this is what happens when Steve doesn't get to actually cover the game and ends yeah. up watching <laughs> the game. Mm-hmm. They play Syracuse played four two five. This is how Caden Bailey was the starter, but he was alongside Marlowe as the only other. Effectively linebacker. playing two mics with a man on the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that yeah, would ex- have, okay. That explains mm-hmm. a lot of what else I was seeing. Which yeah, in between talking to my friends, I was like looking back at the game. Um, now I now I'm getting some They'll clarification say, on things I was seeing. Yeah, because when you think about it, Syracuse only had three linebackers dressed for that game. Yeah, yeah, you kind of <laughs> had to. Like that was the option for what you could do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So because you knew Marlowe was going to play every snap, so you just had to rotate Bailey and right. Lowry in. And this is Mikel was planning on playing the game up until the day before when he announced he was declaring. And I and I still think that even with him declaring, he was still good. There was going to be a chance for him to play, just because of like what we had discussed on this podcast before about being him uh, being a leader and a heart and soul of this team. Yeah. Um. Just from an emotional standpoint, and set an example to the rest of the kids on this team to, you know, show up. But you know, especially, especially after the year that Zaire Franklin is having right. at Indianapolis, uh, a very similar player to Michael in many ways, and mm-hmm. being named a Pro Bowl alternate this year, you know, taking advantage of the fact that Shaq Leonard has basically not played this season, um, Michael can put himself in a very similar position. In the NFL, yeah, no, and that'd be that'd be absolutely huge for him too to be able to uh-huh. kind of point to this guy and say, "This is what I do." <laughs> so, yeah. and this is well, the we, yeah. Well, we got. I think Syracuse got lucky as well because the t- we we talked about the the field issues. Yep, and that probably hurt Minnesota in more ways than we expected because they couldn't use Mohammed Ibrahim up the middle like they wanted to and so they were running him around the sides um to basically try and generate any sort of offense but as many people have noted across the season running around the tackles is what Syracuse wants you to do and not run it up the middle Mm -hmm. now that could also be a a a, you know formation change thing as well you know playing four four linemen might have also dissuaded more running up the middle as well which is a thing that you know could be looked at and see, you know maybe do you implement more four down linemen like you saw with uh, Cody Roscoe in that twenty twenty one season, yeah, um, which you know really helped uh, matters a lot on that line, um, but that it limited Minnesota's defense so much that you know and, and Minnesota's pass uh, aerial attack is not at strength. Right. Yeah. You like you needed something like the two t- touchdowns they scored, where basically they were individual plays by Daniel Jackson, um, and individual brilliant efforts in order to just score. Right, and add to that, you had uh, Ethan Kelly McManus going down as well, which was a honestly like could have been a blessing in disguise, but then Tanner Morgan hasn't played in a month, that, more yeah. than a month. I mean, so uh, yeah, even I, though even though he's the original starter. For Minnesota, he hasn't played in over a month and a half. So, right. So, you know, a um, little bit of everything went into that whole that whole mess, mm-hmm. and then Ibrahim uh, sat as soon as he got all the all yeah. of the Minnesota <laughs> rushing <laughs> records after after he achieved four school records. Yeah, in one half of football. 
which I can say, uh, actually, it was Bailey. Uh, the one of one of his record setting runs that everybody like he got the ball and the the announcers were just like and he's got no he doesn't <laughs> Bailey just stuffs him up the middle and then yeah, yeah. sacks Minnesota on the next play and it's like yeah oh okay this kid came to play yeah so that first sack from Bailey was really really nice mm-hmm. because it, like a from the angle that we were in the press box a hole just opened up and all you had to do was slightly shed a blocker. I did. It was just the free lane at Calicamanis. <laughs> just go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And man. I don't think many people knew until then that he was Champ Bailey's nephew, because the, you don't because say. my tweet on that got a unusual amount of traffic. I mean, we've only put it in every time we've put him on the site. Yeah. Like he's Boss Bailey's son. <laughs> he's Champ Bailey's nephew. Mm-hmm. For anyone who didn't know, those are facts. He has yeah. pedigree. Yeah. So we have we have the sons of two NFL players on the roster, at least. We could have had three if, you know, we had a better offense and maybe a person who wanted to see a wide receiver develop here, you know. Which one? The one who's just played last night in that game we were talking about? Or no? Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy. <laughs> you know, that yeah. guy that got two touchdowns last night? Yeah. Yeah, minor, before getting minor his, details. B- before getting his head taken off, but that's, you know, story for another day. Yep. The guy who's if his head didn't get it didn't get taken off, Ohio State probably could have won that game. Also, probably true. Um, for anyone who's not informed and uh, doesn't <laughs> understand what we're talking about, that would be the son of the and I will go down saying the best receiver in Syracuse history, Marvin Harrison. Uh, also, Marvin Harrison Jr. If you couldn't figure out from the name that he's Marvin Harrison's son, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I mean, beyond that for the game, I mean, Schrader, Schrader did what he could with his legs. He actually looked, yeah. uh, Schrader's, well, Schrader's definitely still wasn't a hundred percent No, because if he was a hundred percent, he would have been taking more designed runs. Yeah. And, uh, he, he scrambled as well as he could. Um, you could tell, given the, I don't know, given if the turf. That, I don't know if it was that plant foot or what, like that was. Something was bothering him that he was underthrowing everything, and in all honesty, got bailed out by Devon Cooper a couple of yeah. times. <laughs> um, and he he didn't look as crisp as he could have throwing. Um, he didn't look as bad as he had in some of the games as well. But it definitely, like you said, he was not a hundred percent. And we'll and we'll talk about why Syracuse lost this game in a bit. But we but it's good to mention the positives. We mentioned Bailey being one of the positives on defense. And we have to talk about the obvious positive on offense, the one that got everyone talking. That's the Quint Allen. Um, oh, I thought you were going to talk about uh, Enrique Cruz. Enrique Cruz. No, okay. because I, I thought I thought that's <laughs> I thought that's where you were going. Uh, when all else fails, I got to stay on brand. But no, uh, Quint Allen looked like a, a a monster. Yeah, and and uh, I, I talked with Steve about this, who redirected me to Kevin to talk about this, um, but. Uh, Dino Babers compares LaQuinn Allen to um, a Hall of Fame running back uh, that some of you may know if you are of an older generation, and that's Marcus Allen of the Raiders and the Chiefs. And what Kevin pointed out to me is what basically LaQuinn Allen is, a very good outside runner. And that's what Allen is. He's very good at starting horizontally to get outside the tackles and then cut up field. And even if he's 
gotta like run in between the B gap. He still has some good footwork as well. And then you add on to that the receiving skills. I think that's what impressed me the most is that he you know like he might have he, he showed things that signaled to me that he could be a better receiver than Tucker. Which would yeah. be incredible. And I mean, no matter what, we know he can't be a worse pass blocker, so sign me up. <laughs> That's not, not a high, that's not a high bar to achieve. Hey, you know, I take what I can get. <laughs> like, I, I'm not sure if you remember this, Steve. I put it in the feature article that I put on the site yesterday for Alan. Um, the, there was a route in the third quarter. It was third down and six with so about three minutes left. This was a little bit before the... Um, I think this was a little bit bef either before the... It was before or after the, the pick six. I forget. But Allen runs this curl route so beautifully that the cut opened up an acre of space from the vertical view. Yeah. It was absolutely beautiful. And it was one-on-one -on -one against the cornerback. Either a corner or a safety. It wasn't even a DB. And Minnesota's pass defense was the second-best pass defense in the Big Ten. Right. So you're saying our running back that – so are we into another uh, Sean Tucker category where when we discovered him, we were like, oh, we have this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, I think I think we are. And mm -hmm. now we have a different this but a, a equally effective this in different ways? Yeah, Hopefully. yeah because because w what you saw is a more of a, of a confidence to use Allen as an outside receiver more so than you did with Tucker. Mm-hmm. Because Tucker would line up on the outside a lot, but the ball wouldn't ever get to him. Strader actually targeted Allen with a ton of balls outside the numbers. Yeah, and w which is crazy to think that with how good um, Tucker was in open space. Yeah. And that we, for some reason, weren't... that Allen is that much better that they're... Con or it could just be Beck's play calling as well but uh, that much more confident that we're able to get him the ball in space and just let him ride. Yeah, and, we, and we should also mention those, like, you know, with Jason Beck, new permanent offense coordinator, Nick Monroe, the interim DC, both of them did all things considered as well as they possibly could have given the situations they were put in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think we might as well get now to why did Syracuse lose this game? And it was the mis it, it was basically two things. It was mistakes and penalties. The the two big plays that swung the momentum back into Minnesota's favor, you know, was was the pick six where, uh, basically, uh, Gatsden <laughs> Trader just stared down Aronde Gatsden on the sideline and basically just threw it right at him and. The Minnesota DB did a great job of jumping in front of the route and reading Schrader and taking it back all the way. And then the other play, obviously, was the uh, the kickoff return. That I think it was 70 yards back to the other way that was only tackled by Brady Dedenberg, of all people, which will make some special teams people happy, but on, that shouldn't be the case where your punter has to make the last gas-saving tackle. Those are the two big plays that swung the game, um, and all the momentum went to Minnesota's way. If you don't have that pick six and you don't have that 
uh, that long return for Minnesota. That's 14 points that basically get taken off the board because Minnesota doesn't, I mean, because Minnesota wasn't showing any good offense when it started in their own half, um, especially in the second half, um, and that was the only other score that Minnesota had in that second half was that uh, pick six, and then Syracuse shot itself in a, like it has done the entire season with penalties, uh, just killed drives. Yeah, and that the pick six was on a throw that we've said all season Schrader should not be making. Um, yeah, uh, with the, one, two things on that. One, it was on an Aronde Gatson and out route, which, I mean, I don't get me wrong, Gatson could probably run out routes, but Syracuse's offense should never have Aronde Gatson run an out route, ever. Or, or if you do, you're effectively using him as a decoy and looking him off going somewhere else to a second read. Or yeah. if you have uh, to throw the ball to him, you float that to the sideline on a, you know, up and over. Yeah. What you don't do is stare at him for four seconds and then throw a line drive at him, which is what Schrader did. Right. And what he has a tendency to do on out routes, which is why we've uh-huh. been talking about him not throwing them. Yeah. Um, but, okay, that is what it is. It was not great um, to follow that up with the kickoff return. Also not great. Uh, but if you want to go back to the good, the fact that they were able to do that and you could tell that uh, this team, like, Babers hasn't lost the locker room. Like, they yeah. fought back tooth and nail after those two stupid plays in a bowl game that's the last game of the season. You're missing all these guys. You could have seen that team deflate, and they didn't. They, you know, gave it everything they had and were right there at the end of the game uh, with a possible chance to tie it up if not for penalty, which uh, I believe you saw nice and I saw, clear. I saw, I'm, I'm surprised more people in the press box didn't see this. Yeah. But I saw it, and because I was I was looking, because I saw Clark was getting uh, tangled up with a Minnesota receiver. I actually forgot my binoculars here in Jersey, and I wish I had them because I could actually, then I could actually see a bit more. But um, the, the first one, the press box view was great. First of all, I mean, it was Yankee Stadium. Two Yankee mm-hmm. fans here. And yeah. you'd probably be going nuts right now. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I looked at Clark, and he, he pushed the wide, the wide receiver in the back. Like, it was a clear penalty. Like, yeah. there was, like, yeah, it's, it was a stupid penalty that if, if, if there was a replay of it, would have been called up. Everyone would be like, oh, yeah, that's a penalty. Right. If the cameras had caught it, it would have been pretty blatant. Yep. No, I guess that makes sense. Um, yeah, but but like you like you said, there's a lot of optimism for the future just based on the game plans that both Beck and Monroe called. Yeah, uh, especially Monroe because maybe he doesn't need to learn as much under Rocky Long, um, which would be huge. Yeah, because especially after last week when, for the first time, like in maybe three seasons. Syracuse media got to talk to coaches not named Dino Babers, which was amazing. Um, uh, we, 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 the Syracuse media got to talk with Jason Beck and Nick Monroe about a week before the game uh, started. And that gave us great insight into their coaching. And Monroe, Monroe says all the right things. He's probably the guy that you want to lead this team. And hopefully Rocky Long, um, you know, 
teach us a couple things about the 335 because a lot of people like the 335 here in Syracuse. So that's probably going to stay around. And then you have the obvious uh, additions of the the new guys. We already mentioned Bailey. We already mentioned Allen. Enrique Cruz didn't look like he had that bad of a game, although, you know, from the press box probably wasn't my uh, forefront of mind to think about. Um, we didn't see too many other wide receivers, basically the Gadsden, Alford, and Cooper show, which is what this entire season has basically been. Um, Trevor Pena was okay in some areas, but in those situations that Syracuse were use- was using him, he wasn't getting used a ton. I mean... Uh, Jeremiah Wilson wasn't tested a whole... No, it was Quan Peterson, excuse me. Quan Peterson was uh, in there instead of Jeremiah Wilson. Quan Peterson wasn't tested too much, uh, so I'm not much to say about him and what he and he or may, may or may not do in terms of this later down the season. But, and then look when Allen. Obviously, Allen is the, the headline of the show. And I think Syracuse has a lot to be happy about even though that they didn't come away with a win. It was a winnable game, yes, but given the the pieces that were missing for Syracuse, it would have been really, really tough to, you know, logically win that game. Uh, before we head into halftime, um, we do want to mention right now that I believe this game is on the ACC network that uh, the Syracuse women's basketball team just outscored number six NC State uh uh, 23 to six in the third quarter, and they're up by seven right now. Um, heading into the fourth quarter over the number six team in the country. Um, so that could be of note. That is on your regional sports network. So if you're in the Syracuse area, that's on. Yes, um, that that could be a huge pickup win for Felicia Legat Jack. And in about 10 minutes' time or 20 minutes' time, when that game concludes, we'll give you the report on that. I apologize. My dog is going absolutely insane for no reason, and my son's trying to sleep upstairs. Uh, Christian, I'm <laughs> going to let you handle halftime, and I'll be back as soon as I can be. All righty. So, yes, as Steve handles that, we're going to go into halftime and talk about our very great sponsor of this uh, News Magician podcast and all the News Magician podcast, Homefield Apparel. Here's your one-stop shop for all your collegiate vintage brand materials. Um, if you want to get something from Homefield Apparel, like some of the great Syracuse stuff that they have on the offer, be it a vintage 90s Syracuse logo, Vita the Goat shirt, a 2003 National Championship shirt for basketball, and many, many other options. Go to homefieldapparel.com and make sure you use the code NOONS at checkout and UNES and you'll get 10% off your next order at Homefield Apparel and you can visit some of the many other schools that they have. Of course, we're big supporters of Tulane on this podcast as well. Uh, you can know there are Tulane options, uh, but hey, many, many, many schools are supported by Homefield Apparel, one of our favorite uh, companies, and they just continue to grow in terms of the schools that they're bringing on. And we're very excited that we get to promote Homefield Apparel and some of the great shirts that they have, like some Auto the Orange t-shirts as well, 44, everything that you need. And you can also bully them online like we'd like to do as well to get other things you want, maybe vintage bomber jackets, maybe auto sweatpants, who knows? Go So make sure you 
go to homefieldapparel.com and if you're going to get something out there for one of the comfiest uh, t-shirts, hoodies, whatever you may need and to support your favorite Syracuse uh, team or basically any college of your choice, you can do so by going to homefieldapparel.com and make sure you're using the code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, at checkout for 10% off. And so while we wait for Steve to calm down his dog, we'll talk about the other thing that has happened over the past week in Syracuse uh, that really has got people talking, and that's obviously the basketball team, the men's basketball team. Since we were last on the podcast, Syracuse has played Pitt and Boston College, and the Pitt game was a travesty to say the least. Um, even though Syracuse only lost by two, Syracuse shouldn't have lost by two in terms of the pregame metrics, but it's another episode of Syracuse letting a okay three-point shooting team get hot and not doing much to stop it, and then the offense basically going flat in the first half, which didn't help the comeback attempt in the second half when the offense finally started to figure things out. And... And that same slow start almost doomed Syracuse again in Boston against Boston College. It's just a matter of fact that Boston College's um, offense is less than ideal, to put it nicely. And Syracuse luckily got away with this one against Boston College. Um, one of our favorites, one of the fav- one of the favorite uh, advanced analytics uh, teams sites out there right now is shot quality um, a lot of professional teams are using shot quality and shot underscore quality on twitter and the people at shot quality often put out uh expected scores based on what would happen based on the quality of shots that were taken uh in certain games and based on the quality of shots that were taken in the syracuse bc game that's actually a tie game and going into overtime because Syracuse's shot quality was significantly worse than Boston College's shot quality. And even though Syracuse won 79-65 against Boston College, the shot quality expected score was 68-68. Just to go kind of show you how Syracuse and its slow-starting offense and its reliance on isolation ball really hampers this team offensively. Uh, it, it comes back to a theory that I've been saying, which is that the Syracuse team doesn't look great defensively, but it's actually a good defensive team. Because at the very minimum, it holds opponents to their season average. It's the offense of the Syracuse team that's going to be its downfall, based on just the old isolation ball that has played Syracuse for the past 10 years. Come on, we've never played iso ball. At all. This is this is how you know Steve has spent more attention watching football than basketball. No, I I'm saying over the past couple of years in general, uh, we never play iso ball. It's just it's not a thing that ever happens. No, no. Why? Well, whatever. What would ever give you that idea? You know, watching Syracuse basketball over the last ten years. <laughs> mm. Wow. Uh, what a concept. Yeah. Um, no, it's uh. I mean, it, every every time we think they're going to break the trend, here we are. It's like that one game in twenty during the twenty twenty season against Boston College, when they absolutely thumped them with a hundred points and set that program record for threes. 
And that was all done with passing and off-ball movement. And that was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh, yeah. And then they never did that the rest of the season. Nope. Not at all. And it seems like every time, like even even early in the year, I can distinctly remember talking about, oh, you know, they're they're looking a little better. They're moving the ball better. There's better off-ball movement, you know. They're actually passing. Oh, oh, we get in any semblance of uh, competitive game or anyone actually playing defense, and that just goes out the window, and is completely lost. Yeah, and and, and there are defensive concerns. Don't get us wrong, but like I said, most te- apart from the three shooting, the three point shooting, Syracuse again is holding most of their opponents, if not all of their opponents, to their season season averages and scoring. Right. So, like, it's still a decent enough defense. It's just that the offense isn't there to support it. Yeah. It that... only looks bad just based on the, you know, three-pointers that teams are sinking. Right. And I guess, I guess it comes down to the fact of what the stats tell us versus the eye test as well. Like there's a reason all these teams are hitting threes against us. So what does that actually say about our defense? And let's, and like, this is where, uh, if we had actually more access to shot quality, which um, I'm actually going to talk to Kevin about, we should probably get on that. Uh, Shot quality would actually tell us a lot about the types of shots that teams are taking against Syracuse because, the eye test tells you that teams are taking open threes. Right. But are those, but are some of those threes actually less quality than some other open threes? Right. And if we're, you know, if we're giving up, I guess if we're giving up poor chances and they're making them, and it just so happens that everybody is doing that, then it's one thing. But if we're giving up that many good looks a game then what does that tell us about the defense, even though the advanced metrics are saying that we're not, you know, we're not great, but we're not bad. Because, like, let's remember, I mean, one of the hallmark features of the 2-3 three, three zone is that it's going to give up threes. Yeah. Like, that's going to happen, I think. And I think people forget well, that. But that the hallmark of it is that it is going to allow a team to shoot threes. It's not necessarily going to allow teams to have great looks all the time, and it's not going to allow them to shoot their best, you know, percentage of the year sure. against mm-hmm. it every night, which is what seems but, to be happening but like, this year. Like, let's also remember, like teams, especially teams right now, they're taking a ton of threes. Yeah. So like, like, Pitt shot. Pitt was about thirty percent, which is what you expect from three, but they shot thirty-two threes. Yeah. Like yeah. so, so like the this the teams, it because of the new age of basketball we're at right now, you know, the advanced metrics are you're telling teams to shoot more threes. Yeah. Now, even I, though even though Judah Mintz shouldn't be, but you know, besides the point, I was going to say Judah Mintz shouldn't be, and Joe Girard is taking as many pits or as many threes as Pitt did. So, um, yeah, it, it's and it, the sad thing is, is that. You don't want Joe Girard to be taking some of the threes he has, has been taking. But he has to. Right. Yeah, when at this point he's our only three-point threat, then it makes it a very mm-hmm. um, 
It's really, really bad because the other three-point threats on this team can't rebound. Right. Because I I truly believe that uh, Jim Baham wants to play Chris Bell and Justin Taylor. Offensively, that makes the most sense. Yeah. Unfortunately, but, uh, you, you know, you but, said you uh, said but Gerard's it's only... A, it's a one-way ticket to drive Jesse Edwards into foul trouble. Right, and that's, I mean, with on the offensive end, Gerard's the only one that can hit a three, and that's that for you know most of the lineups. On defense, Jesse Edwards is the only one that knows how to rebound a basketball. And, the, I mean, well, and, you know, replace that with Munir Hema or uh, Someone at the five is the only person that knows how to rebound. And in the 2-3 zone, that's kind of a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we need all those scrappy, you know, long bounce rebounds. Yep. But, unfortunately, here we are with what we've got. Now, that said, they do look like they're coming together a little bit more than they were um, when when last we met our, our heroes. Um, but it's still I, I, a, I, there's still yeah. some growth. Yeah. Nope. I think that's really all you can say about this basketball team. Hopefully they don't crap the bed against Louisville. Well, uh, I, which is a sentence I didn't think I'd be saying a month ago. Yeah, yeah. Here's to hoping. Um, speaking of hope, uh, number six NC State is now officially in front, fifty-one forty-nine at the fourth yeah. quarter media timeout. Eleven uh, zero run to start the fourth. Yeah. Um, who knows what uh, what legit Jack can have the team do to you know get back in front? But breaking that eleven zero run is probably a good start. That would, that would be a thing that you would like to see happen. Yeah, I'm um, not necessarily a basketball guy, but I'm pretty sure that's how you, you start that off. Mm-hmm. You know what you are, Steve? Hmm. You're a soccer guy. Mm-hmm. And since the last time we did this podcast, we got more professional soccer players who are former Syracuse players. Mm, we did. That we did. Including a record five Syracuse Orange taken in the MLS Super Draft. Indeed, indeed, indeed. That was highlighted by two first-round selections, Abdi Salim going 17th overall to Orlando City, and Levante Johnson continuing the great Canadian tradition of going to Vancouver. Yep, he's joining former uh, former Syracuse forward Ryan Raposo in Vancouver. So And, and also uh, Booster Schorberg uh, continuing the great tradition of having Swedish players go over to... Uh, uh, for Canada as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because why not? Why not? Um, also in the mix, it, uh, who were the other two? Um, Anthony Sinclair yeah. went in and the second round to Real Salt Lake, RSL. and Russell Sheely went in the second round as well to um, LA, the LA Galaxy. Yep. Um, Sinclair was Sinclair. I thought he was the last pick in the first round. No, that was Levante. He was the uh, okay. Levante Johnson yeah. was the second to last pick in the first round. Gotcha. He went 29th um, overall. That works. And or then, was that the last pick? Because twenty, yeah, 29th overall is the last pick. Yeah. Because I forgot, I I didn't, I forgot if there was another team added but St. Louis to make it an even thirty. Uh, not no, yet. Not yet. I think Sac Republic maybe, or well, the the artist formerly known as Sac Republic will be yeah making mm-hmm. an appearance. That would make there. the most sense, right? Yep, or Vegas, because Vegas, who knows. Um, Yeah. But either way, uh, the one name you didn't hear called was Nathan Apoku in what we mentioned, 
who probably would have been a consensus, you know, top one, two, three pick, uh, if he'd have declared and taken the Genadidas contract. Um, we we actually, yeah, uh, Christian went fishing on Twitter and uh, hooked his agent apparently, <laughs> or an agent that was in the know of what's going on yeah. with him. And um, I didn't hook anything. I just tweeted it he, out. He that. tossed it out there, and I questioned yeah. it. And the next thing we know, there's mm-hmm. uh, agents replying to us. So um, the uh, well, Apoku... well, from what we could tell, it could only be good news for Levant, uh, not for Levante. Good news for Nathan and the Syracuse program because oh, yeah. Nathan is probably getting a high profile uh, move to a team with a bit of a higher profile than the MLS. Yeah, so uh, likely somewhere in Europe. Um, it seems as though he turned no, down. No, it's Boca Juniors. What are you talking about? <laughs> seems like he turned down a Genadis contract. So whatever he's picking up, I'd assume will be worth more than whatever the top end of Genadidas would be. So yeah, no, no, knowing you, it's probably Chelsea because Chelsea's new owner <laughs> is throwing around money like he's got everything, which he does. But you know, I mean, he already owns the Dodgers. What the hell? I know. That is infuriating. <laughs> yep. So, well, now that'll it'll be the standard. Chelsea's new owner will throw around money and then realize that he's throwing around too much money and then not throw around any money mm-hmm. and hope that we have packed the uh, academy system enough to sell off enough people. Yep. So, yeah, the lone army is real. I didn't try and figure out a way to hire back your former manager. Uh, let's not do that one again. So, or, or are you, t- you talking different foreign ma- for former managers? Cause I do not want to see, uh, no, just in general. Yeah. Well, fair. Uh, <laughs> just I in general. I mean, it last, happens the last time we were, uh, but I, 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 I know which former manager you're thinking of, and I think Jose is perfectly fine in Rome. Yeah. Yeah. He seems, seems okay. Um, so yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see where that all lands. I think that would, uh, do we want to segue that into the uh, best of 22? Well, um, best might be a strong word to use. Well, I figure, you know, talking about men's soccer would 100% uh, top the best of 22 list for us. And that, and that is basically it, honestly. <laughs> that is the apex. And, there were, there are right, three uh, good things that, and there are three good things that happened in Syracuse sports. What else? Med, med soccer, cross country finals, mm-hmm. field hockey, elite eight again. Okay. Yep. That's. Yeah, that might uh, be also, And also, women's, oh, women's and also women's lacrosse. But for that women's lacrosse program, they're probably their expectations are higher. Yeah. Although I mean those that because run because with... I same thing for field hockey. Honestly, now at this point, yeah, but like they're probably both of those teams are probably thinking elite eight. That's an awful year. Yeah, which is crazy to think about. So Yeah. No, I think, yeah, I mean, of the notable things that occurred in Syracuse in 2022 in in the Syracuse athletics realm, you about hit the nail on the head. Like, it's, you know, the 6 no start for, was nice. For, I, I, there was a stat on this somewhere on Twitter, and it happened so long ago because it was tweeted out in May, but I think this was one of the first times in, like, forever that Syracuse football – Men's basketball, men's lacrosse, all had losing records. Yeah. In the in the twenty in the twenty one twenty two school year. Not great. 
Yeah, overall, that's not a not a good stat to hang our hat on. No. So. It's not a good stat to hang around how had on when your three marquee sports programs all had losing seasons. Yeah. Yeah, and for it to be the first time in a long time for lacrosse and the first time in forever for Jim Beheim. Yeah. Football, we're used to it. Like, that's... What yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, ever since I came on campus... There it is. Now we figured the connection out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We have to Sorry, renounce. Guys. We have to rena- Sorry, renounce guys. Christian to. <laughs> it's it's because it's because I went to that Nova game. <laughs> it's it's all been downhill from there. Yeah. Oh god, that's great. The um, punch heard all around Central New York. <laughs> yep. So. Well, like, the, what, what we don't realize is that Torah Hunt also got injured that year and then just didn't play. Yeah. Wow. Because remember, that was Austin Wilson and then eventually AJ Long. Yeah. Who was who was one of the first, you know, hot shot next quarterback guys. But like every other quarterback that's come since him Didn't he got destroyed into oblivion. Yeah. yeah. Because offensive line question mark, question mark, question mark. We had one good year of offensive line. That was it. And you went ten and th- and he went ten and three. Yeah, it's funny how that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's know. like it's like Steve's like the prophecy come true. Like yeah, <laughs> a good offensive line produces great results. Go figure. In other news, grass is green. Here we are. Unfortunately, I don't think Dino Papers has any other future son-in-laws who are looking to transfer into Syracuse. Yeah, well, here's to hoping. <laughs> Though they may have. They, the the family may have exhausted all eligibility at this juncture. So yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, do we want to touch on any worst ofs? We might as well. I think um, we kind of covered a lot of that with the first losing Bayheim and Jim Bayheim's tenure. First yep. losing season, the first losing Bayheim. Well, I guess that would make Buddy the first losing Bayheim and Jim Bayheim's tenure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that season happened. Yeah, that season happened. Um, I mean, there's not much else to say other than those seasons happen for basketball and lacrosse. Basketball, unfortunately, doesn't look like they've rebounded all too well, both literally and figuratively, yeah. from <laughs> from that uh, from that season. And based on preseason reports, Syracuse men's lacrosse might have taken a page from Syracuse women's lacrosse and decided to get injured before anything good could happen. Oh. Perfect. Who's down now? Uh, the, this this happened a while ago in October. Syracuse went down to Loyola to play a couple of uh, yeah, preseason friendlies, um, and there were some notable defense defend uh, freshman defenders who looked to be very very good and potentially contend for starting roles, nice. but went down injured in those preseason uh, friendlies. Unclear if they'll be you know healthy for the for the. Um, for the start of the season, which is coming up soon. And I'm quite excited for that. It's kind of crazy to think that's coming up soon. Yeah. We have an article going up tomorrow on the site about, you know, a wish list that we want to see from Syracuse in 2023. And I went with the return of 2020. Of, uh, I went with the return of 22 because that is going to be, uh, oh, honestly, no. that's going yeah, to be okay. the most exciting thing that's going to happen on campus this year is to see Joey Spelina play. 
lacrosse 22, not 2022, because I don't want that yes. to come back. No, no, we don't want we that. We just got out of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I should probably contribute to that too, shouldn't I? Yeah, I mean, that'd be nice. Well, you know. Honestly, it would be nice because we don't have a football thing on there yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Th- things we'd spoiler, like to see in 2023. We do, yeah, we do not have something on football there, but maybe there isn't that much other just... than the things we've already talked about, slash, which is the Quinn Allen slash Caden Bailey. Would it be a cap out if I just put suck less? <laughs> no. I mean, it's it's weird because no, you it, know it's it funny because we're C, it's C C less yellow. That would be a hundred percent it. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because we're like we tend to be the nuanced podcast of like actually diving deep into things, and then mm-hmm. it's like sometimes it's just like just sometimes, sometimes suck it's a little. Sometimes less. The, the simplest answers are the correct answers. Right, exactly. So you know, well, well, things can often be two things. Uh, this one's just like don't do as many stupid things so uh yeah i'll we I'll have, have we have eight minutes left on our podcast recording uh time that we usually a lot for this i'm going to use this time to pull up yes because syracuse has the ball with three seconds oh. and are down by one we got one of them live live action things going on which this is the is first time great. this has happened in a while it has and it's to see them knock off number six would be great and if nothing else to see them take number six to the wire is going to be great. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, and we're ready to rock on the inbounds. Per Twitter. Whoever's running the Women's Hoops Twitter feed, they're right on it. They're right on it. I have to sit through the usual yes ad first. Yay. <laughs> you want me to hold off until you can actually see what's going on before I know yeah, what happens? Honestly, honestly, that'd be nice. Yeah. Have you go through sitting all through all the commercials and then? Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'll spoil it for you. Okay, so I'm up and live now. Three point nine seconds left for Syracuse after stealing. I think they might have stolen an inbound pass. Yeah, they stole an inbound pass. So Syracuse has it in the half court. Three point nine seconds down by one. You don't need a foul. It's a play to the baseline and it's tipped off. And Syracuse turns it over. Ooh. They're going to need another turnover as a baseline pass. To Dariana Lewis looking for the back post gets tipped away by Lewis herself. It was a good play, but the pass just a little bit too long on the inbound. Oh, that looked to be so good because Lewis was free on the back post. No one watched Lewis. There was a good screen from Daisha Fair to get Lewis open. and But the Hyman's pass from the inbound was just a little bit too hard and long. So 3.3 seconds left, and Syracuse is going to need another defensive stop on the inbound here. They do have a fa- they can foul to stop the clock, and that would make it still a one-possession game because they're only down by one. So if you don't get a turnover here, uh, but this pass is going down to the front court, front court, and there is a foul. So they do get the foul. That's with, uh, are that they is in the bonus, one- or... 1.3 left on the clock, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a long play. It's, uh, there, there is a possibility, but it's a slim possibility. So you're saying there's a chance. There is a chance. Huh. 
the three the free throw shooter at the line is only fifty percent. Uh, is only fifty percent from the line, but she makes the first. Again, only one point three seconds. Syracuse doesn't have any timeouts, and it's going to have to be an inbounded chuck. NC State's backing up. They're going to start at the halfway line. Ball is long. The shot does not get off in time, and Syracuse unfortunately drops to NC State. A valiant effort from Felicia Legetjak's squad, but NC State goes uh, and score outscores Syracuse by 11, I think, in the fourth quarter after Syracuse had outscored NC State by 15 in the third. And the inbound play, unfortunately, just a little bit off from Tisha Hyman. And... That is, ooh. You know, though, this does show, I mean, this team's kind of rounding into itself, too. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. the beginning of the year, there was some shaky shaky legs when they were all yep. kind of, you have literally a completely new squad getting to know each other and how they're playing and what tendencies are. And the more they, the more they keep playing with each other, they seem to be forming into quite the, quite the cohesive unit. So it'll be good to see as they come down the stretch here and get into conference play. And then, you know, I, I would assume the tournaments uh, that we'll see, we'll see what happens here because legit Jack's doing, doing good things. Here. I mean, they have a decent non-con schedule. Like with the loss now, they'll go to 10 and five on the season. So not necessarily the worst, uh, a, a big shout to Georgia Woolley who led Syracuse with 23 points which is big for her um, after she's missed a couple of games this year due to injury, yeah. but four for eight from three, which is very, very nice. Um, an off game from Tisha Hyman, no points for her. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, over six shooting. Uh, same with uh, Daisha Fair, who had 14 points, the second leading scorer, but did it on six of 23 shooting. Goo. So yeah. Hyman averages um, 15 a so, game and fair 19 a game. So you can tell yeah. where NC State's uh, game plan was. Yeah, but uh, but also to be fair, like Syracuse has shown that you know while, while Woolley had a great game, it's like the Orange can hang around even if their best two players have off nights, which is a good sign. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So a lot of hope for Felicia get Jack squad, and unfortunately they drop uh, a ranked matchup to one of the best teams in the country in NC State uh, again, ranked sixth and. With that, um, that is another loss for Felicia Legetjack's squad. Actually, it's not 10 out of 5. They do drop only to 10 and 4 on a year, which is, you know, considering where they were last year and the mess of the program to kind of round out this whole podcast, considering the mess of that program was last year. Yep. And they're in a very good spot right now, and there's a lot of hope for this program. And that is uh, that is only their first loss at home this year, too. Uh, Indeed, the yeah, they were nine. And, they were nine and zero in previous games at home. Yep. So their their only losses on the year, besides NC State, are at Louisville, at Purdue, and at uh, Penn State. Mm-hmm. So, all in all, uh, I think we got some more things to look forward to with these teams. And um, yep, we have, yep, we'll have more basketball coming up on the podcast. Hopefully. Men's basketball delivers. It looks like women's basketball will deliver, which is great. And then we have the lacrosse seasons that we'll eventually start previewing as well, especially since media day for lacrosse is coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, I don't think we'll have anyone there unless Mike wants to make a trip up. Uh, but um, there will be a um, 
there will definitely be things that will be revealed from that media day that will garner some talking points. Absolutely. We get back into Christian t- Christian teaching Andy and Steve what lacrosse is. <laughs> we're slowly, we're slowly learning. And it's only it's only because Andy was too busy being auto to pay attention to it during his time at Syracuse. <laughs> right. Andy's attended more lacrosse games than any of us. It's just you know what? in should, a costume. We should uh, end the podcast on this. A heartfelt in memoriam to uh, all of the friends and family and relatives of Otto the Orange who were so brutally brutalized by the United States women's national team. Seriously. It's, uh, may, it's a may, shame. May their sacrifice not be in vain for the 2023 <laughs> World Cup. <laughs> oh, God. If anyone, uh, if anyone hasn't seen it, uh, ESPN did it again. Uh, absolutely crushed. And, and in all honesty, whoever was in the auto suit, I don't know how you show emotion. I've talked to Andy about this before. Yeah, yeah. But how you, you can show emotion, emotion <laughs> from an anthropomorphic fruit costume where you can just see your arms and that's it somehow conveyed like the despair of the moment of rapino and a couple of the other women's national team members uh eating it's oranges the, it's the same as the two other mascot uh ones related ones that are that are very very good uh the mr met one with josh hamilton after he won mm, the home yep. run derby and wally the green monster with david ortiz yeah, yeah, that was a great one. Um, they they really do a great job with the mascots, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm finally glad they got Otto in one as well and has a starring role, and that is a very, very good one to have him in, even though it is his friend's family getting brutalized. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's been in a couple, if I remember right. But yeah, this but, was, uh, but not in, like, as the star. Yeah, this this one was definitely the, the definition yeah. of it. Uh, yeah, just hilarious commercial and i i just googled it to pull up just the thumbnail and it's just hilarious so yeah uh anyone check that out if you haven't seen it and uh yeah that's about it's about that i don't know you got anything else for uh tonight yeah just watch where you put your oranges and make sure you don't have any sock hungry soccer players around seems uh Seems that is like not a, how that is not how to grow an orange. No, no, it's not. That's how to eat an orange, which is also delicious. <laughs> but uh, don't tell Pregler I said that. <laughs> so, well, that's a good. That's a great way to kick into twenty twenty three year. Um, and with Andre Sch- uh, Schmidt leaving, hopefully our kickers don't miss wide left. Ooh, too soon. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess check us out on all the socials. Check us out on the site. Um, do your best to like, subscribe, leave a review to help expand the Ottoman Empire. Um, check out Home Field Apparel, as we mentioned earlier, and go Orange. Go Orange. <laughs>